This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. In an ever-changing landscape mixed with rising customer expectations, a flurry of new channels to play in, and endless amounts of marketing tools, developing a marketing strategy to meet a company's ambitious growth goals can be trying. That fast acceleration of change puts a lot of demand on brands and clients to make sure that they're up to date on the best path forward. Melissa Dorco is the Chief Growth Officer at Wonderman Thompson, a marketing agency that prides itself on helping some of the world's biggest brands think outside the box. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Melissa helps tell the story of agency marketing and how they partner with clients to inspire growth utilizing unique marketing strategies that put an emphasis on data and technology. Enjoy this episode. This message is brought to you by Salesforce. Hey marketers, today's B2B buyers are more complex than ever and every buying committee has different needs and goals. Salesforce can help. We'll show you how to put each and every customer at the center of your B2B marketing strategy, and you'll learn how top brands like Lyft approach account-based marketing. Salesforce, market to every account, speak to every buyer. Find free B2B marketing and ABM resources at sfdc.co slash every dash buyer. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by special guest, Melissa, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Great to have you on the show. Exciting to chat with you today. I know your your husband, I've known him for many years since we served in the in the army. And so what a treat to have you on the show today. Uh, I'm sure if, if, uh, if Big Al was here, uh, he'd have nothing to share and you would have everything to share anyways. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Excited to have you. So um, we're going to talk about the cool stuff that that you are doing at Wonderman Thompson and, and your background. Um, so let's get into it. How did you get started in marketing in the first place? Well, actually, I was always one of those kids that loved commercials and loved ads growing up. You know, I was in the backseat of the car singing the latest jingle. I had an opinion about every commercial. But then when I went to college, I thought I was going to be the next Barbara Walters. So I was a journalism major uh, and, uh, you know, worked on the school newspaper and all that good stuff. Uh, And then after college, uh, I met someone who worked in marketing and I actually, my first job was marketing hamburgers for a local Columbus, Ohio restaurant chain. And back then, uh, I'm dating myself, but I was negotiating billboard contracts and radio contracts and sports sponsorship contracts and um, really, really uh, loved it. It was a great first job for a 22-year-old. But in that job, I had to hire an agency. Um, And I didn't know a lot about advertising agencies or marketing agencies. And uh, that sort of first relationship um, made me kind of want to go over on the other side. And so I did. And I've been on the dark side ever since uh, and never, never went back. Indeed. That's so great. And now you're chief growth officer. Uh, so what does that entail? What, do, what does it look like to be the chief growth officer? So my responsibilities are on net new growth. So landing new client relationships that don't currently have a relationship with the agency. I also oversee all of our marketing efforts. So uh, whether that be events, uh, a lot of them are virtual these days. We do a lot of account-based marketing. 
um, and targeting of clients that we want to be working with. Um, and so I oversee those programs, public relations. And so all of that sort of boils up um, under me. You know, it's a super fun time. And I think the exciting part about it is having done it as long as I have, it's such a people business and it's such a business where you're meeting all kinds of different brands across multiple different industries. And then boom, a year ago, you can't get on an airplane. You can't go meet those people face to face. And it was a little terrifying, um, but it's been pretty amazing to see how everyone's pivoted um, and kept the energy up in spite of it all. Um, and we're still making those connections virtually, which has been great. Yeah. And, and, and you know, Wonderman Thompson is, has been named, uh, you know, Mad Magic Quadrant Leader. You all have been named Agency of the Year by AdFest. You know, you're an agency who, who wins a lot of awards. Um, but for our listeners who, who don't know about you, can you share some of the types of work that you all do? What are the types of customers that you do? What, what is it like uh, with what you do for your customers? So most of the folks that are in inside baseball agency land may have been familiar with Wonderman, which was a data agency, and JWT, which was a legacy sort of storybook first advertising agency. And so the WPP, which is our holding company, brought both brands together to sort of create a truly integrated offering for our clients. And you've seen this in the um, marketing and advertising industry, a lot of consolidation and a lot of brands merging together. There's also, you know, several dozen smaller brands that were brought under that umbrella um, and they focused on data, technology, e-commerce, um, research, intelligence. And so all of that is brought to bear in the new Wonderman Thompson, which is essentially a little over two years old now. And so we provide strategic, creative consulting and technology services to our clients. The best relationships, our top 30 relationships are using all of those services um, but sometimes people come through one of those front doors and we might only do brand campaigns or we might only do an e-commerce site. But a lot of our clients do use us for sort of the full integrated offering. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. You kind of mentioned some of the consolidation that was happening and some of the things that people are now a little bit more targeted with the way that they thinks about, think about these things where you have kind of this certain folks who are like, hey, I need this one thing solved. And then the other folks who are still kind of like, hey, you know, we like to just work with one partner and get all this stuff and we trust you all. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've been in the industry for a long time and it always ebbs and flows, right? So I've worked at smaller agencies. I've worked at the larger agencies. And I think there's a role in the marketplace for each of them. I think that if you're looking for a niche player and you have a niche problem, you know, that's the path of least resistance. And those folks can be really, really nimble and, and can be a good fit for you. I think the clients that come to Wonderman Thompson um, are really looking for scale. They're looking for, you know, not just the North American market, but global. They're looking to um, evolve in a way that um, and take their business to the next level. So they're typically not trying to solve like one singular problem. And they do. They like the idea of someone being their trusted partner and trusted advisor to consult them through the journey that changes every five seconds. I mean, technology, platforms, data, you know, what we did a year ago is different than what we do now. And, and so that fast acceleration of change puts a lot of demand on brands and clients to make sure that they're up to date on the best path forward. And so Wonderman Thompson is a great partner for that because we do have the scale, we have all the expertise under one roof and we can, we can solve multiple problems at once. Yeah. Especially with the, with the, uh, you know, rise of, of companies now being able to move global so 
so quickly with, especially right. in technology companies and things like that, you're talking about like spinning up new, you know, new products, new product demographics is potentially in some ways easier, but then you have to nail the marketing piece of this, which is a whole nother animal. And um, for those folks that, you know, obviously you work on, on the North America side, but, you know, I'm sure having those partners on, on all the other teams is something that is hugely beneficial to someone where if they were working with a niche player and they don't have someone in, you know, wherever it is, uh, Brazil or, or whatever that like, wow, that's pretty great that you can, you can just, you know, walk across the digital hall and, and tap somebody's shoulder. Yeah, no, I can give you two really good examples just from this week. So one, uh, we're helping uh, respond to a brief for a new electric vehicle. Um, and so it's a startup brand. No one's ever heard of it. And uh, typically when we've gotten those briefs, they've wanted to launch in a particular country or a particular city, or they might choose you know, two or three markets. And it was really interesting talking to the client because they're looking at a European city. They're looking at a North American city. Um, and they're thinking about a global right from the get-go because they can. And the 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 thing that Wonderman Thompson can bring is that cultural sort of understanding and nuance of all those different markets. So a much bigger established brand has come to us because right now talent is at a premium. And they're, you know, now that we're sort of coming out of the sort of pandemic and people are opening up, uh, you know, retailers and folks in the service business need to hire. And so we're working on a branding campaign to recruit employees. And they're not just recruiting employees here in North America. They're recruiting people in Europe. They're recruiting people in LATAM. They're recruiting people in Central America. And so what Wonderman Thompson can do is we have boots on the grounds for, you know, sort of what that employee base wants in those different markets and how to tackle those consumer challenges um, at a cultural level. Um, and, you know, having the size and scale that we do that's what, you know, that's why those types of brands come to us. Yeah. It's, it's a really exciting thing. And that's, I love that use case um, because it speaks to how marketers, you know, segment and buyer behavior doesn't have to be along, you know, geological lines. Right. Um, you know, it's like, right. there's, there's, there's nothing that prevents someone like there might be that, but there might not be right. I mean, like I'm trying to think of a good example, but someone like Tesla, for example, Obviously, like wherever country you are in the world, if you want a Tesla, you want a Tesla, right? And so there's so many opportunities out there for people that are trying to figure out their uh, their global strategy. You know, you're saying that's where having a partner makes all the sense in the world um, yeah. to figure that out so you don't have to go it alone. Absolutely. And I think that the, the world is getting smaller, right? And so, you know, your ability to launch products and services and reach people is just, you know, getting exponentially easier as each day goes by. But while there are a lot of things that link us um, as, you know, sort of humans on the planet, there also are these sort of different motivations and different behaviors in different um, populations and different countries. And being able to micro target and really speak to those folks one to one with marketing and advertising is sort of the holy grail. And that is what we help our clients do. Um, so it, it's, it's getting that right message to the right person at the right time. When I think, you know, part of the, uh, and I've definitely been all over the place on on agencies. I think that there's obviously some amazing ones. Uh, there's some ones that are that are less amazing, and su as such as life, right? It's not like there's any one size fits all. Like you said, there's always this kind of like consolidation and then spreading, and it's it's a pretty natural ebb and flow. 
But I think if you're looking at one of the huge advantages of the agency world is, especially as you're building your team and building capacity, like you mentioned, this war for talent, building out your marketing function, that if you have a partner who has this experience with all these different types of companies that you can leverage best practices across their portfolio, that they're giving you those insights. Like that's one of the really advantageous positions. We talk a lot about this, like the five tool CMO, which like doesn't really exist, right? It's like, it's like, well, we want you to have enough experience that you've done a bunch of things, but not too much experience so that you're like, you're not stay, you know, close enough to to what's going on with trends. You need to have, you know, if, if this is a SaaS company, it's like you need to have relevant B2B experience, relevant B2C experience. You know, you need to uh, sprinkle in some direct to consumer, you know, all these different things. And that's where you look at a lot of new CMOs that come in where they're like, yeah, maybe I have a really strong demand gen background, but I don't have a right. branding background. Or maybe I have a really strong e-commerce background, but I have no idea how to stand up an enterprise sales organization or whatever it is, that's where you look at a partner like an agency and say, and the agency I'd imagine says, hey, you know, we work with 4,000 different types of organizations and I promise we've seen your problem uh, before and we can help you do it. Yeah. And I think the majority of our revenue in our business comes from our top 30 clients. And so the relationships that we have with those clients are long-term and we've had them, you know, for multiple years and we've been doing, you know, multiple streams of work, but the average tenure of a CMO is, you know, 18 months or less. And so we might actually outlast the CMO sometimes. And I think that the best CMOs that I've seen in my career are the ones that, that can recognize their weak spots. They're the ones that know, you know, my superpower is demand gen or my superpower is direct to consumer. And then whatever they need to sort of compensate for, they either bring in the agency or they hire someone on their team that's sort of the expert. But, I, but I've always found the more humble the CMO and the more sort of um, their ability to be vulnerable and let you know what they don't know and where they need help, they end up getting the best help. Um, it's the ones that sort of claim to know it all and can do it all are are the ones that, quite frankly, we see don't last very long. Speaking of know-it-alls, let's talk about the Marines. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> as an Army guy, I had to throw had to throw some shade. But well, no, you- as an Army spouse, they give me a lot of a lot of trouble uh, when I share my opinions on the business. So it's uh, it's good fun. That's perfect. Um, I was just on uh, our 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 buddies podcast um, who we had on the show uh, many moons ago, Casey and uh, his hardcore marketing show. So we got some good, good Marine, Marine jabs in as well. <laughs> um, but one of, one of your, uh, uh, one of your clients is, is the Marines. Um, so yeah. can you, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So this is a relationship that I'm super proud of as you and I've talked about, I, I am an army spouse um, and I, have a real soft spot in my heart for military service of all branches, even though uh, Big Al would be upset if he heard me talking about my love of the Marine Corps. But we've had the relationship for 74 years. So J. Walter Thompson won the Marines account, um, you know, 74 years ago. And even though we've changed and evolved and adapted and, you know, even have a new name, um, we've kept this relationship. And it is a huge testament to our team. So our mission is to help the Marines reach their recruiting goals. 
So if you can think about 74 years ago to where we are today, the different challenges that marine recruiters have had and the different tools that they've had along the way in terms of marketing to future Marines, I mean, it's, it's evolved significantly. And I've been with Wonderman Thompson almost two years now. And the, the work that I'm super proud of that we've done um, for the Marines is expanding uh, how they market to different populations in the United States. We've launched a new website. So if you go to marines.com right now, it's, you know, barely two months old and um, it's a, you know, completely new user experience, lots of different content um, that appeals to a new generation of Marines. You know, the military and armed forces has been um, maybe slow to adapt to some of the performance marketing tools or social media channels, you know, where these young people live. Um, because of privacy and because of sort of the standard of, you know, reaching everyone equally. Uh, but we've really gotten them to get, you know, more comfortable with the tools, more comfortable with social media, more comfortable with the types of content that we create. We actually got three uh, social media stars uh, to join and go and attend boot camp. And then we recorded all of it. They had GoPros. One kid dropped out like after day one, he couldn't hang. He was like, time, I'm out. I'm not going to be a Marine. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. And then the other three sort of, you know, they stuck out till the end. And it was this great storytelling that we were able to do and push out to different channels to give, you know, a perspective that, you know, is so unique and appreciation for, you know, what these men and women go through and what they sign up to do. Uh, And so the work that we just continue to do with them is super clever and super interesting. And the clients on their side, you know, if you imagine all these Marines, uh, they've had these long sort of military careers, and then they have to come to an agency and like go to creative reviews. It's, it's, it's actually quite fun. Uh, to get them in the mix and and be a part of it. I know that I know the deal. I was in the U.S. Army Recruiting Command, so I know I know how it goes. Yeah, it's a tough, tough job, and I'm I'm super proud. We, I mean, obviously, if we've been working with them for 74 years, we've met mission every year, so we've been able to help them, you know, hit their recruiting goals every year, and so it continues to be, you know, one of my favorite accounts and and the work that we're really proud of. And it makes perfect sense because uh, imagining the Marines marketing is uh, is definitely what secure the beachhead, uh, <laughs> not not exactly uh, secure the billboard. Um, no, totally different. Uh, but some of the all time iconic uh, advertising. Yeah, we used to always joke with all of our Marine friends about like, oh, did you get your uh, sword to slay the giant fiery dragon today, or is that right. a- is that after you climb the after like, you yeah climb the precipice? Well, and it's funny too because part of the work that we do is we do a lot of research, uh, and so it 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 always amazes me when we're talking to these young kids about their perceptions about the Marines. They know the storybook advertising. They know campaigns from when they were little, little. Like they they can you know cite the lines. They they know the imagery, um, and so it's it's powerful stuff. So that's it's very cool to even be associated with it. Yeah, I mean it. It it really is um, some of the most memorable, uh, some of the most memorable advertising ever. That's really cool. And then you know, on the on the other side of the coin, Best Buy is one of your uh, clients, which is completely different. Uh, yeah, so totally can you talk different. about that? Yeah, 
no, uh, Best Buy is another long-term relationship that we've had in Minneapolis. And um, we do a variety of, of work for them and have for the last um, couple of years. But what I've been really personally proud of, and I know our team in Minneapolis has been proud of, is you know, last year uh, during the summer uh, when the George Floyd video was released, it was heart-wrenching. It was heart-wrenching to that city and that community but it, it obviously touched a chord globally. And Best Buy was one of the first clients that came to us for help and guidance on how do we you know, insert ourselves in a meaningful way into this conversation and be a part of the solution. So we have been engaged with them since last summer in a lot of their DE&I work. And we've helped them create a platform uh, called More of This, and that is the platform that's not only helping them with their corporate strategy as they look to recruit more underrepresented talent within their own organization, but it's also about investing in communities. So one of the things Best Buy does is invest in tech community centers. And so making a financial commitment, coming out publicly and talking about what that, the size of that financial commitment will be and how it will focus on underrepresented communities and communities that you know, we need them to get into the tech space. We need them to start writing the next algorithms and be a part of the AI economy. Uh, and the fact that Best Buy is standing behind that, it's again, you know, rewarding work in a different way and in, in, in a new way. And our employees love it and they love to be a part of it. Um, and so I'm really, really proud of the, you know, more of this campaign and the work that we're doing with them and partnering with them. That's rad. And you can check it out for our listeners. Uh, you can check it out on the on the Best Buy blog if you just type more of this. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Best Best Buy, you know, obviously everything that has gone on with like the like nostalgia stores and all that sort of stuff. I just bought my TV from Best Buy earlier this year. Uh, so, I mean, Best Buy is one of those places where like it was the happiest place on earth when I was a little kid going in there looking at, you know, all the different DVDs and, um, or not a little kid, but, uh, <laughs> straight yeah. up adult. Um, yeah. and, 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 and looking at TVs and looking at all that stuff. I mean, it's one of those places that has a real history for, for us. It was the first place that we, you know, bought all that, those things. And I think that, you know, when we saw all the different things with AMC and all this stuff about like how powerful nostalgia is in marketing, it just made me, made me think of like, what is, what is the future for a lot of these companies that like really mean something and, and how to, how to figure that, how to figure that out as a, as a marketer to take, take advantage. Yeah. And I think the great, the, you know, Best Buy is a great comeback story. I mean, Best Buy, it, you know, sort of the encroachment of Amazon and, you know, you think about all the big box retailers that, you know, sort of rest in peace are no longer with us, right? Because it just became so easy to buy online and, and transact online with other retailers. And they just kind of, you know, fell by the wayside. Best Buy, you know, had a great downturn. But, you know, under the right leadership and the right strategic plan and the right bets in the right places, you know, the pandemic was actually one of the best years for them financially in a long time. They're, you know, they're beating projections. They're, you know, they've figured out a great strategy to, you know, build their online presence and build their online business and, you know, make it just as easy for you to purchase from them than, than Amazon and because I think that they they're building that intimate relationship with consumers through loyalty and through the programs like more of this, 
it gives you a propensity to want to buy from them. And it, it shows it, their, their, their sales and their performance year over year, especially in the last six years has been phenomenal. Switching gears a little bit here toward how you think about marketing, how you think about getting uh, net new customers. I'd imagine, you know, like you said, you, you have your top 30 clients that, um, that drive a bunch of uh, a bunch of revenue for you all, but but going to a new client and saying, "Hey, we want you for seventy plus years," like the Marines, is probably not probably not the way to go. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, how do you think about you know channels and engagement for for getting new customers? Yeah, I mean, a lot of our sort of demand gen is around thought leadership. So we have a lot of partnerships with um, the technology companies like Adobe and Salesforce, and we'll co-author thought leadership with them. And those are tools that we'll use a lot for demand generation. Also, you know, clients love to see what other clients are doing, right? They want to see that you've done something great for a retailer or another CPG company, or, you know, they want to know that you have that industry expertise. So anywhere that we can share those stories, you know, without giving away sort of trade secrets, obviously, but sort of show that we understand their particular challenges and their particular problems. The unique thing about the advertising industry is there's a lot of search consultant-driven RFPs. So brands hire um, folks to run sort of like a search for them. And the great thing about being at Wonderman Tops is we get invited to the dance all the time because we're a large agency. People know who we are. We're a part of WPP. Um, so we have a profile that's known inside the industry. The problem is, is we still try to pick people uh, in an old school way. And if I could, ma- you know, wave a magic wand, I would, I would want clients to reach out and connect with people more personally. This is a people business. You're not getting a widget when you leave working with us, right? You're going to get a strategy. You're going to get creative. You're going to get you know, technology plans and implementation, but you're, you're, you're buying a team to, to work with you side by side. And so if I were on the other side and I were a client, I think that I would encourage more interviewing of the actual humans that are going to do your work. Um, but that we still do a lot of like advertising ads on LinkedIn and uh, sites that we know business executives are on with our thought leadership and our thought leadership pieces and our case history and our case studies. And it definitely attracts them, but then we end up filling out Excel spreadsheets and procurement takes over. And we, you know, again, we're, we're putting information into boxes instead of, you know, meeting the creative director, meeting the strategy director, learning, um, you know, the e-com strategists and who they are and what their individual experience is. I think when clients do that, they have a much more um, valuable evaluation criteria than if they look at the Excel spreadsheet that has all the, you know, sort of box checked of what you're looking for. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, I think that that's part of the thing that's so hard about agencies is, is they're like marketing as an agency is like, what are they really going to hang their hat on the features and benefits that differentiate because like, Oh, we have, you have great creative. Everybody has great creative. You know, you have great, you know, everybody says they have great creative. I should say, right. um, yes. you know, you have, um, like, you know, support. Oh, everybody says they have great support. It's like, there's so many, it's so hard to differentiate. 
And you see this, especially with like smaller agencies trying to figure out like where they fit in. And it's almost like taking a larger agency and just boiling down the talking points. And it's like, well, that definitely isn't going to make you stand out, which is why you see, you know, super niche players do well is because it's like, they're so focused on only one thing, but it is hard to stand out and it's hard to develop relationships. And if it's really hard to stand out, then the depth of the relationship and the engagement is more important. So how do you think about getting in front of people to like show how you think rather than and tell them how you think. Yeah, so we we the sort of thought leadership that we're um, marketing uh, right now is uh, around sort of our cookie-less future. So we've developed a tool called Resolve, and it's really we're calling it sort of privacy-first personalization. And you know, as cookies uh, continue to go away and diminish, how are you going to use first-party data? with partner data and AI to sort of get to those high-valued audiences. And a lot of agencies are talking about that right now. And so what we want to do is we want to sort of offer, you know, almost like a free consult, right? So we've been doing this. Wonderman has this huge legacy business. Lester Wonderman literally invented direct marketing. And so we have this great heritage and now the world is completely changed and completely upside down once again. And so what does cookie list mean and how can we help you and your team, you know, navigate that? And so one of the marketing tools that we're using is maybe get a chance to get to know us, right? Like sign up for the consultation, sign up for us to take a look at where you're at, because we find when we can, when we can have our smart people talk to your smart people about a specific problem, we're going to stand out and we're going to stand out better than you know, shouting from the rooftop, we're the best, or um, trying to show you a case study, you know, you'll get to know the humans behind uh, that are solving the problems. And so far, it's been pretty effective. I mean, we've, we've had a lot of people that, you know, have shown interest and, you know, want to take the time to understand how we might solve the problem specifically for them. And then it's a great tool because they've, you know, fall in love with person X, Y, or Z, and they And if they want to keep talking and they want us to go further, you know, that's a paid engagement. And so that is definitely a strategy we're using more and more, especially in sort of post-COVID world of, you know, how do you, how do you get to folks without meeting them at an event or going to CES or some of these major trade shows and things that we used to all attend in the past. Going to upfronts, doing all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. One, I think part of that is like, that's all the fun stuff, right? Like we took out a lot of the fun stuff, which stinks. We want to yeah. go to upfronts. We want to go to film festivals. We want to go to, um, you know, to cool experiences that are memorable and allow you to be like, oh, that's where I saw Melissa. Like I was, I was watching Drake, like, and we were talking about, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that's, but that is, that is how you remember. Like, I don't remember what she said, but I'm pretty sure she was pretty smart. You know, like th- that stuff actually matters. Um, when yeah. you don't have those tools, you kind of have to think nimbly. And I think also, I mean, I think this is a huge problem for agencies. I think that everybody right now is just in this or not everybody, a lot of people are in this try before you buy type mindset where it's like, you have all these software tools that are like, first month is free, free sign up, no credit card required. And if you want to keep going. And I think that agencies just historically are so far from that. And the time to value, especially on creative work is really long. Um, And it's hard. Like, and I don't know if, I don't know the answer to this, but if it takes you whatever, six months to, to, you know, create a, a really, you know, in-depth, you know, interesting, amazing 
beautiful campaign, that's a long time to value. So you're saying like, hey, do you want to go on a first date? And the first date is, hey, we want to, you know, the, this date's actually going to last for two years. It's like, that's just really scary for a lot of people. And, and we're seeing it, you know, we saw it pre-COVID, certainly during COVID. And I think it's here to stay. I think you're right. I think that, you know, people want to date before they get married. And I encourage people to do it because I think that, again, the best partners and the best relationships are, you know, mutually beneficial. And if you're in a relationship where, you know, someone is always taking and, you know, you don't feel like that true partnership, it's not going to last very long anyway. So, you know, why, why stick around? Right. So I think that I'm trying to encourage in those, those beginning days of a relationship with a new client to start off small, you know, start off with the discovery, start off with the, the small projects, start off with the internal campaign to your employees, you know, start, start with something that it'll give you a good sense of who we are and how our two cultures work together. But again, you're not, People are not showing up with $5 million contracts on day one. Like those days are over. There's too many choices. There's too many options. People are afraid they're missing out on something. You've got to just, you've got to kind of prove your worth. And then once you do, I mean, again, we've had the Marines for 74 years. We've had Microsoft for, you know, over a decade. Like we have long-term relationships, but man, they don't start out that way. They start out small and they start off, you know, with a project in mind. Well, and that's where, you know, you have as a chief growth officer where you're kind of, you know, doing those calculations to say, okay, well, if we're getting people in the door and our land and expanse strategy, we know that if we get to milestone X, they're, you know, twice as likely to renew for next year. They're three times more likely to add on a product in the next five years, like, or another, you know, another thing. And like, and I think that that's, that is a pretty stark difference from the way other agencies, I think, in the past had kind of treated things where it was almost, you know, oftentimes a little bit just transactional with the way of like, hey, let's get this money right now and figure out the rest later. Like, and we, we all know that we've all been in those relationships. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it's really bad because then at the end of the day, it's like it was this massive check that we wrote. And nobody's really that happy with what we got. It's like if that check was, you know, four times less and the deliverable was four times less, everybody would be a lot less mad. Yeah, no. And I, I find that if those smaller engagements don't work out, everyone's really honest about why it didn't work out. Um, because that we went in with that set of criteria that we were, you know, getting to know each other, seeing if it was a good fit. And if, you know, for some reason it's not, like you said, the the entry price wasn't, you know, so so high that there's a lot of bad blood when you guys decide to move on. But I think we see that all the time now, more so than ever, M much smaller projects to start um, and then growing into bigger long-term relationships. You mentioned data. Obviously, you all have a huge focus on data. This is another thing that I think will 100% differentiate great agencies from the agencies that, that won't make it is just like how... And great marketers. I mean, we talk about it all the time on the show of like the best marketers are going to be data-driven in the future, yeah. like without yeah. a doubt. They might not be a data person, but they'll have people on their team that are like dyed in the wool, you know, data scientists, or they partner with their data science team or whatever. How do you all help your customers with data? Yeah. I mean, obviously we had, I'd mentioned previously about the sort of cookie-less future and what that will mean. But I also think that brand marketing is starting to 
to come back in a way that maybe it had gone away. Like you could pay for clicks. You could pay for clicks all day long and you could use performance marketing and performance marketing tools to, you know, sort of drive engagement and almost guaranteed engagement. But now with sort of this cookie-less future and um, the pervasiveness of, of eyeballs across multiple platforms and, you know, trying to get people's attention, I'm seeing this like real interest in building beautiful, meaningful content that cares more about the brand story. I mean, everyone talks about Nike and everyone holds Nike up to the highest regards. But if you think about the films, because they really are, they're films that they've been doing and that they've been building they're totally focused on the brand, you know, and, and elevating the brand and keeping the brand in the spotlight. And I think that the briefs that we're getting from clients, it is about using data to optimize your efforts. But I do think there is this resurgence on beautiful brand creative that, you know, is less about forcing you to click and more uh, and getting back to what advertising was, was like wanting you to click, wanting you to learn more, you know, not sort of, the totally transactional piece of it, which has been which has been really interesting. And then I think the exciting part with AI is that you know media tools and media platforms are learning how to you know get you to these high potential audiences and lookalike audiences and and sort of drive more behavior and motivational marketing versus again that sort of just like clickbait and transactional um, stuff that I think has been pretty pervasive over the last several years. Yeah, one of my buddies, um, who's a uh, amazing CMO, talks about you know the purpose of, of of your marketing is to bring your your message through as many channels like as often as possible as as you can. And I think that you exactly nailed it with um, uh, the way that you were talking about brand, which is like data gives you this opportunity to get your actual brand message out in all these places, not to get your brand in all those places, to get your message. And the message needs to be in story format, in videos, in beautiful, creative, in interesting things. Like you should not be putting your brand logo on a billboard and like, that's it. Like, you know, that that makes no sense. Like we don't put the the marketing trends podcast cover on a billboard (laughs) and it was like, go listen to this, right? Right. It's like, that makes no sense. It's like, we want people to 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 feel how um how thing how they how they want to feel and one of the interesting that that I saw on your website was that this B2B brand study that that you all did um that 72% of consumers want to be inspired but only 53% feel inspired by brands i mean that like perfectly tracks with the rise of like social enterprise the rise of how many companies are steering like really far into you know their mission and their their non-product objectives and things like that. I mean, like that stuff is more important than ever. And that is all show, not tell, right? Don't tell people, don't tell people that you have a social mission, like show people that you do that stuff. You know, the, the Tom's giving a pair away for free for every pair bought or whatever it is. Like there's so many ways to show that stuff and you have to do it in, in creative, beautiful, interesting ways, not just with like a bunch of run a, run a site ads. Yeah, no, and that's great that you brought up the B2B stuff. The thing that I always find so fascinating when we're working with B2B companies or we get briefs on B2B, the B2B brand that most people aspire to and want to behave and look like is IBM. So if you think about the IBM ads that are running, it's like chefs, actors, um, musicians. 
it's very, the, 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 the films are beautifully shot. The content is, you know, it's not, you know, tech B2B sort of how you think about IBM. It's, it's about creativity. It's about using data to, you know, to visualize and do things in a really interesting and different way. And the way that their marketing and advertising is able to sort of convey that message is what inspires people to, to have an affinity towards that brand. You know, the data and the tools can get you there, but the eyeballs stay when you're providing, you know, the great storytelling and the rich and the rich content. And, and we're lucky. We, we work with IBM. WPP has a great relationship with IBM. But, you know, every other meeting I'm in, I was in one this week. What are you going to, what do you want to look like? And they're like, if we can come close to IBM, it's a win. And they, they constantly cite that. So That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really interesting. So what's, what's next for Wonderman Thompson? What's, uh, what's next for you? Well, I think, you know, I think we all knew recovery was coming and we were cer- certainly anxious for it, but man, I think it's coming at a clip that we did not expect. Um, so we're answering briefs to help recruit employees, but I am also recruiting employees. So if you, if you know folks, I mean, we are, we are growing exponentially fast. It's about, um, you know, realizing the data, creating better branded content, it's, uh, you know, developing, you know, more meaningful relationships with consumers. And I, I do think the DE&I conversation is at the top of a lot of marketers' mind and what that means to them specifically and what, how that translates into their marketing and advertising. And so I just imagine we're going to be very busy for the next 12 to 18 months. And uh, so, so be on the lookout for job postings. <laughs> we, we, need, we need more people. Will do. That's awesome. Um, all right, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing on the world's number one CRM. That is Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more lightning round questions. Melissa, are you ready? Let's do it. Number one, what happens first? Browns winning a Super Bowl or the Buckeyes winning a national championship? I think the Browns winning a Super Bowl. Wow. Yeah. And the reason why I say it is because it's all I want in the entire world. And if I just keep saying it out loud and willing it, you know, if you're a Buckeye, you, you get, I've already witnessed several national championships, so I'm not greedy. Let's give the Browns a Super Bowl. Let's do it. Um, yeah. It's, uh, producer Aaron said, speaking it into existence. I like <laughs> yes. it. I mean, you're on the up and up. You got some really good players. Miles Garrett's yeah. great. I mean, you know, there's, there's... And they're not leaving. Like, typically we get the great talent and then they leave, like, uh, you know, the, a year after. So, yeah, Browns winning a Super Bowl. It's happening. All right. I'm, 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 I'm ready for it. My poor Raiders are definitely not uh, going to be winning a Super Bowl anytime soon, but that's okay. okay. Um, we'll, we'll cede to the Browns for a little bit. Okay, um, thank you. Favorite? Do you have a favorite Brown of all time? Ozzy Newsom, 83 wide receiver. When I was a little kid, he was just everything. I stood in line at a local supermarket to get his autograph. I still have it. He's my favorite. Isn't, isn't Ozzy, he, isn't he an executive? Yes. He, it's, it's actually a troubled relationship Ozzy and I have. He um, manages the Baltimore Ravens. Well, that's what I was going to um, say. Yeah. That's, oh my yeah. goodness. But he's a wonderful man, and um, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I cheer for him. But it's it, we have a conflicting relationship now because he plays for the bad, or he works for the bad guys. But, um, but he was my favorite. And he's been like the best GM in football for like a decade. 
Right. So I, I spotted talent even as a child. Like I knew, <laughs> <laughs> I knew who was going to be great. So. I love it. Um, do you have a favorite marketing campaign uh, that you've that you've seen over uh, the past handful of years that you're jealous of? That I'm jealous of. The one that I love right this second, I don't know if it's my favorite of all time, but the one that kind of took me by surprise is the new Google ad um, where they're typing in the search bar and they're taking away virtual. Yeah. I, like it got me. I, I thought it was just beautifully done, super simple, tugged on the heartstrings. And um, I, I really love that one right now. It's really, really good. And uh, yeah. And every time I see a Google ad, I'm like, I don't. I see you so many times a day. I don't know why you need to advertise for, to me, but they always, that's the thing is like, they always remind you uh, yeah. in such a clever way. If you weren't in marketing at all, maybe not even in business, what do you think you'd be doing? So I think I w- I'd like to be like in the West Wing as like a chief of staff or like a, an advisor or something. So you want to work in the West, like on the TV show or in the actual West Wing? No, no, the actual like advisor to to Biden. Like, what does he need? How can I help? Writing policy, solving the world's problems. That's that's what I want to do. I thought you were well. First, I thought you were saying TV show. Then the second thing, I thought you were like like museum curator style. <laughs> no. I'm like, you want to lead no. the tours? No, like policy okay. expert. Right. Like, like yeah. Yeah. Well, we need you. <laughs> I'll call Joe. I'll see if he needs me. But I don't, I think there's better qualified people. I don't know. Who knows any, <laughs> anymore? Um, I'll take, I'll, I'll vote for you, Melissa. Uh, thank you. Once the Browns win, then you can yes. officially, ma- you can announce your, uh, your, your joining. See, I feel like we need like a, uh, like all-time QB for the White House where we just keep Melissa in the White House, no matter who's there. <laughs> that would probably be good just in general public policy. Like make sure like the, the nerds and the wonks behind the scenes, like stay stable. And then whatever happens, you know, like happens. When Fauci's still there in a hundred years and we're like, <laughs> he's going to be, he's going to be like 170 years old and he's still going to be in the. So uh, advising on pandemics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully there's, hopefully he's eradicated them all. Okay. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Can I meet more of your people? I'm really passionate about that. I do what I do. I love what I do because um, actually my favorite movie in the whole world is High Fidelity. And the John Cusack character says in the movie that he's a professional appreciator. So I can't sing. I can't draw. I can't, I can't make the beautiful creative that the people I work with do every day. And so I wish clients and uh, ask me more often to meet more of the people, the people that make the work and do the work. Um, Because I'm super proud of them. And I think they're very interesting, amazing humans. So I wish people asked me that more often. Wonderful. Well, Melissa, thanks so much for joining. We appreciate it. Um, For all of our listeners, uh, you can go check out their work at wondermanthompson.com. Any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Nope. Just thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for joining. Take care. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing.
you have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.